So, from the birth of human culture, and arguably before, we have on some level been aware of and making decisions about beauty. What is attractive to the senses? What is desirable in a mate? What tastes the best and is the most sustaining? The human form itself, that vehicle through which we experience the world, each other, and ourselves, is arguably our first fascination and constitutes our first opportunity for self-realization. Now, through a complex process influenced by biological tendencies, preferential selection, and societal pressures, human beings' understanding of what physical beauty was began to develop. So varied and numerous are the potential influences on what is attractive that, that science has only just begun to scratch the surface when it comes to understanding the evolution of beauty in our species. Many studies have tried to determine what is biologically beautiful, uplifting things like physical symmetry and subconscious visual markers of virility and fertility. But to date, the so-called science of attraction has provided little useful, actionable information about the physiological basis of beauty. But more than what science may someday be able to describe based on genomes and data around Darwinian survival strategies, more than all this is what we might learn by looking at our own past and influences and see how beauty affects us in the here and now. People have always been interested in ourselves. Part of what makes us human, in fact, is being self-aware. We are intricately and intimately interested in ourselves and those around us. And as a result of our own self-centeredness and self-curiosity, as it were, we as a species really like to assign human qualities to things that are very much not human anthropomorphizing everything from animals to mountains to planets in our solar system. It is not surprising, therefore, that the first images of the divine were humanoid, or at least had very human physical aspects. All of the pantheons of ancient polytheism, like the Hindu, Egyptian, Greek, Norse and so on were either entirely or mostly made up of human-like gods. The ancient Hebrews went as far as to say that God made people in God's own image. And as John Scopes of monkey trial fame once quipped, people simply returned the favor. <clears throat> Our bodies and the bodies of those around us have always been a source of fascination. Why do we feel pleasure and pain? What keeps us alive? Why do we get sick? And ultimately, why do we die? Why are we attracted to some people more than others? How do we choose partners? And why do they choose us? Or in other words, what is beautiful 
And how do I become that? Now, beauty, it is said, is in the eye of the beholder. But if you are paying attention to our opening readings, this isn't necessarily true. Most societies throughout human history have been at least concerned, at, at most downright obsessed with personal, physical beauty. And though standards of beauty have varied across history and cultures, they have been far more affected by those in power than any biological influence. In fact, we can tell much about who is in power at any given time simply by examining what is considered beautiful. Now, beauty as a societal construct is a reflection of the dominant culture. I'm going to say that again. Beauty reflects the dominant culture, reinforcing the claim of those in power that they deserve to remain in power. And as with any social construct, if unchecked by the society itself, beauty potentially becomes either an intentional or unintentional tool of oppression. So, male-dominated culture leads to an undue burden on women and non-male identified folk to conform to the ever-fickle ways of fashion and sexist expectations of what is feminine. Female politicians are many times more likely to have their appearance critiqued than their male counterparts and are often characterized as either too ugly to side with or too pretty to trust. Women are goaded into believing they need a host of products, from clothes to makeup to diet pills to Zumba classes, in order to attain a certain minimum standard level of beauty. Indeed, in America alone, the so-called beauty industry should really tell us something that beauty has its own industry, right? The beauty industry, which includes cosmetics, hair and nail care, and the like, made close to $65 billion last year with a 7% average yearly growth. The cosmetic segment accounted for nearly a third of that money, and cosmetics are purchased overwhelmingly by, you guessed it, women. Now, this doesn't even account for the myriad ways women have been subjugated, abused, and in some cases physically disfigured by brutal and dangerous expectations of beauty, like Victorian women having ribs removed to better fit in corsets, the binding of feet of women in ancient China that left many unable to walk without assistance, to say nothing of the burgeoning elective cosmetic surgery industry in our contemporary world, which painfully expands bosoms and tucks tummies. Likewise, white dominant culture leads to an undue burden on people of color to conform to the unattainable standards of thin blonde hair and fair skin. Countless millions of dollars have been spent in the vain and unnecessary pursuit of changing hair texture and color, cosmetics and treatments to lighten skin tones and so on. So too does an able-bodied dominant culture marginalize those with differing abilities. 
emphasizing the work of athletes and models that exemplify only the very narrow population of physical phenoms, resulting in explicit and implicit bias against those who are overweight, immobile, or otherwise physically challenged. Even physical aids as basic as glasses have been and continue to be stigmatized as less beautiful than naked eyes. Now this list goes on and on, and it only confirms that the standard of beauty does nothing but perpetuate and reinforce the dominant culture. Now, all of us are subject to this pressure to varying degrees. Even as a straight white guy growing up among relative affluence, I always considered myself too short, not strong enough, not masculine enough, not handsome enough. Indeed, my beard still hasn't filled in, and I'm almost 42. <laughs> I spent the entire of my high school career and college years wearing heavy hiking boots, which gave me another inch or so of height to the detriment of my knees today, and often skipped meals in an attempt to lose weight. I spent thousands of dollars over my lifetime on acne creams and dermatologists and don't want to even think about what my braces would cost today adjusted for inflation. I was often devastated when taller, more athletic, or more attractive men seemed to have successes that I didn't. Now all of these influences, regardless of their intent, become oppressive and therefore become tools of the oppressors. Those of us, even those of us considered by society to be beautiful, are so constantly bombarded with negative messages about our own value as to at times feel paralyzed, unable to recognize our immense worth regardless of our appearance. If we are worried about the next fashion craze that emphasizes skinny butts instead of standard Wisconsin-sized tinies, <laughs> we are less focused on the far more important issues of justice and compassion in human relations. If we are constantly worried about how others perceive our physical appearance, we can lose touch with the person we are. And just below these surface-level concerns, our own self-confidence and understanding of self-worth are threatened. We are told that we're not beautiful, or simply not beautiful enough. And when we internalize this understanding, we wind up less confident, less committed, less engaged. We buy ever more products and miss voting in ever more special elections. We cocoon on our couch rather than going out and forming real relationships in the real world. We are encouraged to literally focus only on the surface of personhood, what someone looks like, rather than the content of one's character or the talents they bring into the world. You can see this in the evolution of popular music. Whereas 50 years ago, the stars were those with the best songs and the best voices and the best guitar skills. Think Janis Joplin, Jim Croce, Johnny Cash. But today, poor old Janis Joplin, one of my favorites, by the way, 
would have a tough time even getting on stage, let alone landing a band and record contract. So far was she physically from the Faith Hills and Beyonce's of today. And unfortunately, it's not just music, but all media, which have followed this trend and the advancement of television and video. Journalists, at least those purporting to be journalists on television, are selected as much for their looks as for their journalistic prowess. And some networks, one which will remain unnamed, seem to exclusively employ skinny blonde women to read their news. Imagine what might have been the end, the true end of the Nixon administration, if the Washington Post had hired cute reporters rather than Woodward and Bernstein. But like with any oppressive element of culture, with any standard or system that results in ostracizing the many at the expense of the few in power, this is simply a construct. Beauty is a construct. It isn't real. It isn't beyond our own control to affect, to change, and to change ourselves as a result. Therefore, I say it is time to take our beauty back. It is time for us to start looking beneath the surface, forgetting the blemishes on our skin and the cellulite on our thighs, and beginning to appreciate the beauty that literally fills us. One need look no further than a diagram of the human circulatory system, an intricate, impossibly complex network of veins, arteries, and capillaries so precise and so elegant so as to consistently feed all of our more than 37 trillion living cells. Or to wonder at the process by which light enters through a constantly adjusting pupil, activating sensors that in turn send the neurological impulses to our brains which allow us to see and more importantly understand shape, color, and motion. Or to marvel at how our immune system is continually attacking and neutralizing germs and diseases churning through healing processes when we become bruised or broken. Or to stop and think about how it is that we think in the first place. The electrochemical impulses that crackle like a lightning storm in our frontal lobe, which magically make consciousness possible. Or simply to revel in the beauty of holding a loved one's hand, feeling the warmth of another person so close, yet so distinct from oneself. In this sense, we have in ourselves the power to put beauty in the eye of the beholden, to see ourselves for the intricate and complex splendor that we are. So I'd like to to end the little exercise. I invite you to please get comfortable, close your eyes if you feel like doing so, and take some deep breaths. 
Feel your feet on the floor, your back against the chair. Now repeat out loud or silently these words. I am whole. I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am whole. I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am whole. I am worthy. I am beautiful. Now, open your eyes and turn to someone near you in the sanctuary. Just look at them and repeat these words. You are whole. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are whole. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are whole. You are worthy. You are beautiful. Last one. Repeat after me. We are whole. We are worthy. We are beautiful. We are whole. We are worthy. We are beautiful. Imagine the blood coursing through your veins. Feel the air circulating in and out of your lungs. Delight at the senses that tell you what is happening around you and wonder in the fact that you might think thoughts at all. You are whole, you are worthy, you are beautiful. We are whole, we are worthy, we are beautiful. If we might begin to appreciate ourselves for not only what is seen, but what lies churning just below the surface, we might just find ourselves growing into the beauty we know ourselves to be. How could anyone ever tell you you were anything less than beautiful? How could anyone ever tell you you were less than whole? How could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? How deeply you're connected to my soul. One more time. How could anyone ever tell you you were anything less than beautiful? How could anyone ever tell you you were less than